Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Red Pill Podcast. I have something a little different today. Instead of talking about a conspiracy, uh, I've decided uh, that I'm going to talk about uh, a little bit of history in this one. Alright, and this is a little bit of hidden history, if you may. It's called the Blair, or the Battle of Blair Mountain. And, uh, and if you're curious what this is and what implications it has uh, in the labor movement and uh, the origin, actually, of the word redneck, then stick with me and enjoy. The Battle of Blair Mountain. Man, I, I really, I really like the Battle of talking about the Battle of Blair Mountain. Not many people, and I mean a very, very small percentage of people, you know, know about this. You know, most people do not. Uh, it was the largest um, revolt to take place in the United States, um, and this isn't something that happened, you know, in the 1800s or something. This this happened in the 1920s. These were World War One veterans who were who were miners, who worked at the at Mount Blair, the coal mines there, who uh who fought the the coal companies and the hired thugs, who were you know called private investigators, you know at that time, but back, but they were hired thugs, and and, uh, and they uh they 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 became known as rednecks, you know. For, for most of you who do, will not know, rednecks, that's, that's where the term comes from. It's from the Battle of Blair Mountain. It comes from these the, the miners who were, who were fighting the coal companies. They would wear these red bandanas over their neck because they were, they were going up the mountain fighting, fighting from mine to mine, driving, these, driving people out of, you know, so it would be dark, it would be dusty, you know. They, they would wear red uh red bandanas over their neck and so they became known as rednecks uh for, and that's the inter- i mean a lot, most people would never would never think that you know that term relates back to that it's largely used as a divisive term you know today you know as you know i mean it's just something you can say you know oh we're well, just a stupid redneck you know but people little little do people know that uh that rednecks were the were the people who the, these people who were called rednecks deemed rednecks they were the people who are responsible for having an eight-hour work day all right they, they they're the people responsible for most of our modern labor laws all right you think after the world war i mean after uh, the civil war you, you would think that the uh that the slavery was over but it was not by far it continued you know all, all throughout the country just in, it just relabeled you know it wasn't as blatant these were white people, uh, you know, and any other, most a lot of other races, who but it was but but in in these coal mines it was predominantly white people. Um, they were living in shacks at the mines provided by the company, and they were not paid in cash. They were paid in something called scripts, and these scripts could only be used to buy food or things like that at the uh, the company store. So, so they pretty much depended uh, on the government. I mean, not the, the the company, the the company that they worked for. They depended on them for uh, for everything. And 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 like I said, these 
most of these men who were fighting were World War One veterans. And when you look throughout history, it's kind of a uh, a sad correlation that when you when you look through history, there's so many examples of men who went off to fight a war, and when they came back, they had to fight again. You know, that's how. And most of them were fighting with their Springfield rifles that they uh from war they used during World War One, and uh, they were you know some of them were skilled fighters. You know, so this this was a, this was a real battle. You know, and and a lot of things. If you do read anything about it in, on the internet, it's going to downplay it most of the time, you know. But there were a million shots fired in this uh, in the in this whole conflict, you know. I mean, eventually the federal government was brought in. There were actual airstrikes on the side of this mountain, you know. It's 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 so covered because it nobody wants you to know, you know, that this kind of thing actually happened that the government actually did this to its own people you know it's they would rather kill their employees than give them the fair treatment they wanted you know you know and uh and you have all these people who uh who now think they're making a difference by by walking by walking down the street with a with a hat on their head that looks like a pussy but but uh but this this is this is the real stuff. This was the real stuff. You got unions, you know, like acting unions now, who are who are uh, protesting so they can have fucking uh, peanuts at their uh, at, you know on the set or something. You know, it's a it's it. When you look at stuff like this, it's this was real. You know, this that's this is was the spirit of America. You know, when I look at this this type of thing, and and it's so pushed to the wayside. And, and you know, and now they redneck. You know, of course, you know, because everybody knows how that word's used now. You know, you know, it's used so uh, so divisively and used to uh, you know put people in a group. That, like I've always said, this is what uh, this is what they want. They want they want to put everybody into groups. You know, and that's how they that's how they conquer. You know, it's the old divide and conquer. If if we were all you know if we all came together. What would they do? They couldn't do anything. You know, that's the only advantage that we have over them is our numbers. So when they divide us, you know, we we don't have that because you know when you divide people into like you know this is a this is a these are the blacks and these are the whites and these are the you know these people these people you know divide us by all these lines you know and then we're so spread thin that not one group could ever could ever hope to stand up. But um here at the the Battle of Blair Mountain. Uh, I do believe it was around 10,000 men. 10,000 men were prepared to die to seek a better life for themselves and their children. Now that is something powerful people I have got to say. That 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 is that that is powerful. And uh and I, and I, and you can only imagine why the government would want to keep that under wraps. You know and especially these big coal companies wanting to keep that under wraps. But but you know it was it was the result of this that that gave us all these labor laws that we see today. Stuff you know that they they did lose the the battle, but in the end they got what they wanted because because it was going to continue. You know if it didn't, it didn't matter. You know how futile it would be. It was going to continue. These people weren't gonna were not gonna bow down. You know and submit. So 
they had they had to give somewhat, you know, the company they had to they had to give a little. And you know, it all the most of the conflict started when this sheriff and uh, and I don't recall his first name, but his last name was uh Hatfield, which you may you know know that last name from the whole Hatfields and McCoy story. But the sheriff, uh, Hatfield, he was actually one of the people uh, who were, he was, he was actually one of the few law enforcement officers who, uh, who stood up against these mining companies and, uh, and, the, and the government because these mining companies were coming in whenever these, these workers were refusing to work under these, under these, you know, these slave, slavery-like conditions. They were coming to force these people out of their homes. The sheriff came and said, he was, the sheriff was unarmed. The sheriff, you know, said, we can't be doing this. We can't just force people out of their homes, you know. We, we, can't, we can't do this to people. This, this, this isn't what we are. This is not America. He was killed. He was, he was murdered. And that's basically what's, what began the, uh, the actual, you know, the actual, the, the uprising, the battles. And uh, there was a um, uh, a Catholic, no, not Catholic. Uh, he was like a, he was a Baptist preacher. He was some kind of priest, uh, and his name was uh, I can't recall his name. He had a it was it's a common name. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name, but anyway, he was a he was a pastor and who was actually a part one of the people who led these men into battle. And uh, and and and, it, and it, it, John Wilberg, John Wilberg was this man's name. Uh, he was a Baptist pastor, something like that. He was, you know, uh, but he was. There's this quote, and you'll be hard. I mean, it's hard to find anything. I I found out researching uh, for this that it's hard to find anything on this Battle of Blair Mountain. I mean, this is one of the most blatantly uh, uncovered topics that I've ever seen with such historical implications as this one that's which that's well it's not surprising but but you but, but it, I mean it has even less than things that, that you would you know think were about as bad but but uh to continue on my point is John Wilberg he has this quote where he said it is time to lay down the Bible and pick up the rifle he was one of the people who led these rednecks up the mountain of fighting and they they actually the the miners actually were able to secure a a gatling gun they well, they stole it and uh they were able, actually able to use this gatling gun to to win a lot of their first battles you know i mean this I mean this was this was a, this was an interesting time because i mean this was the same stuff that was being used in at gettysburg you know in the civil war But and but and these men were, these men were. Uh, they knew what they were. They knew how to fight. And and they and, and they were fresh off of a war. The thing about and they were the thing about like I was saying, you know, an example in history. Another one of what I was talking about: men coming home from war, having to go back to battle. I mean, in the colonies, many of the people who fought with the colonies in the Revolutionary War. Were um were veterans of the French and Indian War, where they had 
just fought for the British, which created a lot of resentment for the British because, you know, you know motherfuckers, we just fought a war for you. And now, and now, you know, you're doing all this to us. So that was, that's a, you know, a totally different topic. But uh, back to Blair Mountain. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, there was a million shots in all, in total, fired in this battle. And, and for something that major to be so totally ignored, uh, it, that, that should raise eyebrows across the board. But that's just that's the way things have been, the way they will be. Uh, and there's not much we can do about it, you know, because you see you see what these people have done, and you and, and it got them it got them somewhere. But a lot of people died in the process, and you know that's a necessity. Thomas Jefferson, you know, we all know who Thomas Jefferson is. Thomas Jefferson believed that the uh, tree of liberty needed to be refreshed with the blood of tyrants every uh, 20 years, I think. I may be wrong about the 20 years part. I'm not sure. I mean, but, but either way, we're overdue. We're overdue. We have been for a while. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it was, it was, a, it was a, a, a display of true courage for, you know, for fighting for what you believe in in America, and, and it's, it's very sad that the story, these people's stories are forgotten. People enjoy the, the, the things that this this uh, conflict brought to us, you know, the labor laws. People are enjoying all of that without, you know, respecting or understanding where all this came from. You know, a lot of the people, you know, try to, you know, look at, you know, a lot of the people who enjoy these things and uh, support these labor laws at the same time will you know, use the term redneck and look down on someone, you know, you know, when they don't really know where that word came from, you know, so there, so, so that's a, that, I mean, that's, that's, uh, when I found out about that, it, it was, it, I mean, I couldn't, it was, it was crazy, you know, it's a, it's a word that we've all heard so many times, and I would be willing to bet that less than 1% of people in America actually know where the term redneck came from, to really go back to the beginning of all these events and uh and how exactly they transpired and everything uh and who were the you know and, and who was involved what groups you really uh you have to go back to 1919 all right and the significance of 1919 was this is whenever the uh united mine workers of america umwa they went on a national strike for workers rights and the such but during this time the southern coal fields of west virginia continued to operate and 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 the southern coal fields of west virginia you know that's that's the area that we are speaking of that's where this the blair mountain the battle of blair mountain took place uh this was you know the last part of west virginia of coal mines that were not unionized and it and this and the fact that they continued you know digging coal while umwa was you know performing these strikes it was seriously undercutting the uh, these the strives that that this um group is trying to make for the workers' rights. But after the strike, after the strike was resolved, the UMWA they set their sights on the southern coal fields, and thus you know they, it set into motion the the uh, series of events that led to what we are talking about. And uh, on a side note, uh. 
if if I don't I don't know if anybody else you know like has ever watched this show. I may be the only person uh, who likes it, but I watched this. Uh, well, I I have. It's called Justified, and uh, and it takes place in a uh, in Kentucky, in the mountains of Kentucky, which uh, you know is very similar to West Virginia. You know, cold country, very similar types of people. You know. And uh, and they re- I always thought they really did a good job in uh, Justified of portraying, you know, the distrust of uh, these big coal companies with people who live in this area. Uh, because, you know, because of all, all these areas who's who have had uh, major coal digging operations, most places have had conflicts with these companies or no, none on on this scale that we see here. Uh, Blair Mountain, you know this. This was this was a a very very uh, problematic region for all that. You know, everywhere else wasn't this violent, but some places, you know, it takes more, you know, than less. But uh, but eventually, whenever the UMWA moved in on the the southern part of West Virginia, that they began to try to uh, work in Logan County. Now, in Logan County, there was a sheriff named Don uh, Sheffin. Sheffin, it's, it's spelled S-C-H-A-F-I-N. Uh, I'm not sure how that word's pronounced, but, or how his last name, you know, is. But uh, he was, he worked for the coal operators. You know, the coal operators uh, hired him to protect their interests, you know, and, and all of his deputies. And... So uh, he did everything within his power to keep these unions out of Logan County. I mean, it was violent. You know, anything you could think of, you know, from from intim- anything from intimidation to murder and in between. You know, you know these these were dirty people. You know, they they uh, they they liked what the, the status quo. They liked the way things were, and the sheriff liked it because he was profiting. These these companies, they didn't want this to change. You know, they they couldn't, they weren't going to make near as much money. You know, their pockets were fat. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't want change. They they hated the unions. You know, because the unions meant they were going to make less money because they were going to have to treat their workers more like human beings. Now we could still all be considered uh, slaves if you really want to get into it, but uh, but that's a little deeper than what we will go to, into today. But um, but eventually in 1920. The campaign shifted more to uh, Mingo County, and a notable event took place here, uh, known as the Matawan Massacre, on May nineteenth, nineteen twenty. And uh, the sheriff that I referred to earlier, who I said his last name was Hatfield, uh, his his name was Sid Hatfield. All right, and he actually sided with the miners because he. This man seen what was going on. I mean, he was. I mean, he's he will be forever forgotten, you know, by by mainstream American history. Because I don't I don't know about anybody listening, but uh, but I don't remember hearing about this story in in American history in high school or college, for that matter. Uh, and this was a this is a big deal. I remember I remember reading about you know about how uh, mine mine workers had such horrible conditions. Uh, and I, I've learned about labor laws and all this. But this this uh these. This conflict uh, is not taught in schools in American history, and I would say that this is probably one of the most 
significant, if not the most significant event regarding workers' rights in America. But yet, you would uh, be hard-pressed to find it in a modern history book. And if there was, a, you know, just a, a, a fainting, uh, quick uh, reference to it, you know, but... um. Uh, but this this event, you know, the Matawan Massacre, and in this, Sid Hatfield, the sheriff in uh, Mingo County, sided with the miners in a gunfight against detectives. And when I say detectives, you know, it's like they're private investigators. What are, what are we going to call them? They were, at this time, they were hired thugs. This was the the mining companies hired these these people. It, it was they were getting they were getting ready for for you know a fight. And uh, there was, this resulted in the death of seven detectives and uh, and also the mayor of the town. And uh, after this, uh, you know, Hatfield, Sid Hatfield, the sheriff, he, wa- he was a, a hero to the miners. You know, they rallied behind him. You know, he, w- he stood up for the people. He was being, he, you know, which was, he did the right thing. He did what any, anybody who, who stands for justice should have done. Uh, but uh, he was gunned down, and as uh, uh, later the next year, in uh, on August seventh, nineteen twenty-one, as I was telling you, uh, he was unarmed, uh, and he was uh, spinelessly killed. And as you could imagine, these events only further inflamed the situation. He became, you know, a sort of a martyr for this whole movement of what was taking place. And uh, the miners began to plan a march to Mingo County after Hatfield's murder. And they were going to go through Logan County. And uh, and eventually, you know, they came and, and they were met with uh, Don Shafin, uh, who was the, the who said was the sheriff of Logan County. He had 3,000 people uh, dug in along roughly 10 miles of the ridgeline around Blair Mountain. So this was this was shaping up to be a battle, you know. This was this was this was going to be a, a fight. But uh as you know, as I said before, they were, you know, experienced soldiers. And so they were able to form an effective military strategy as you could imagine. They gained the ridge at one location, it says here and established a standard military operation that included a command center, a rear guard, and a perimeter. And from the archaeological patterning, there was a heavy firefight at this location. The miners claim they broke through in this area, but more archaeological evidence is needed to prove or disprove that claim. That sounds like bullshit. I think it's just the way they had to include that at the end, you know. Uh, that kind of sounds like a little spin on it for them but but you know trying to be unbiased here but that's I mean this is if they said it then uh it probably happened there was uh the thing the thing that really was really beautiful about this whole ordeal was for the time you know this was in the 20s like I said this was way before the civil rights movement or anything like that but this whole movement uh it transcended race. You know, these people weren't looking at each other, those black or white. They were looking at each other as, as you, you know, as uh, 
you know, it was like each other's equals. We're, we're, we're both being kept down by these, by these mining companies, you know? So there, there, there was a moment, you know, of racial harmony here, you know, there was black and white miners, miners, you know, next to each other. As I said before, it was mostly white people just because that was mostly what worked in these mines. But because it was, well, you know, it was, it was a predominant, uh, predominantly white area, you know, West Virginia didn't have a, any, you know, large amount of, of slaves by any means, you know, I, I, there was, I think, I don't think there was any slavery in West Virginia, for, and to, it, the, uh, there was, but not, it was one of the, uh, states, I do believe, that, that, uh, outlawed it a little bit earlier, because I think it had, I'm not sure, don't quote me on this, but I do believe that, uh, the reason that West Virginia split from Virginia was because of the slavery issue. Whereas, as you could guess, uh, Virginia was uh, more inclined to keep slaves, whereas West Virginia was not. But um, the whole uh, the whole scope of this really uh, really begins to come clear. You know, in the in the way that these people. Were able to able to get behind this cause, you know, for this for for themselves, for this common good to, to create a better life, a better future for their family, you know. And you had the, these companies who were just fighting as hard as they could to keep them from getting it. And whenever you have somebody that's conspiring against his fellow man to this degree, I mean, action has got to be taken. I mean, I can't see any justification, you know, for the way that. These, these workers were treated, you know. I mean, it's if we seen what it was like today, it would be like we were looking, you know, uh, we would think that it was 200 years ago, you know. Like, we can't even fathom what that was like, you know. As far as we've come in this amount of time, we have a lot. It, it's, as bad as things can be, you know, at least, at least we're not living in the southern part of West Virginia in the 20s. How about that, you know. At least we weren't. At least we weren't then. And uh, and and the whole and the whole situation is an attest. And the, and I would say, well, probably one of the biggest reasons why this is, you know, censored the way it is, is because, you know, that if if this if this was taught in in, sco in schools, I think that there would be a lot more accountability held for the government. You know, not even just that, but just corporations local more accountability but you know they don't want us to hear about these stories you know they don't want us to be inspired by things like this because you know they would start to see you know how the government is very different with us even now than these mining companies were with these people then we just can't see it you know we just we just won't look past uh what we have uh the way we look at the world you know it, past our own rose-colored glasses view to see what what we do live in well i'm not saying that you know of course our conditions are much much better than then but you really just really think about the lives that we live and not necessarily you know for me or anybody who's probably listening to this because if you're listening to this you probably don't live in a big city you know because if you know me and you're listening to my podcast you know then you probably live in the area i do and you live in rural areas so we don't feel the effects, you know, quite like other people would. But this, this whole, uh, the whole, the whole idea in these in these cities, you know, it's a, it's almost like just one big lord's estate, you know, like we were talking about during the Middle Ages with you know feudalism, 
it's 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 all it's all the same thing, just different names, different things. You know, it's all they they, they view us the same way that they viewed their serfs back then, and and they still view us the same way as they viewed slaves. You know, in the plantation days, and the government views us the way that those mining companies viewed those miners in the 1920s people. They always have. We're inferior to them. That's how they feel. And, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, and there's never been enough accountability held to the point where anything's ever been done. And it's, and it's sad, you know. It's really, really truthfully sad. Not to say there have not been good people throughout history who have tried to do something and, and that's and here's an example you know i'm giving an example and, and this may not be you know all about conspiracies you know there may not be much conspiracy in this as i have you know i mostly talk about it's more you know just talking about history but you know this is this is a very um it's been such an untalked about subject you won't hear about this anywhere else you know you know, this is this, and, and it's such an important uh, factor in the rights that we have today as Americans. You know, as far as labor laws are concerned, we were hearing history about these laws that we got, but we don't really hear about the stuff the the men who actually, you know, went out there and put it all on the line to uh, try and secure these freedoms. You know, it's uh, it's sad. That these men who uh, who fought for people today will be uh, largely forgotten by history, and if you think of in just in the years, you know, from the twenties to now, just how much it's been uh, forgotten about. Imagine in uh, what it's going to be like in a hundred years. Nobody's going to remember it in a hundred years. I mean, if America's even still a country in a hundred years, that's that's yet. But we'll see about that, won't we? It's all it's all a very interesting story. No, nevertheless, you know, no matter what you think about, you know, the whole event or what you think about violence, uh, this was if there is ever a uh, time where violence is called for, this would have been one. You know, this this was I, I see this as a true truly valiant cause. It was uh, a just a storybook tale of the people holding Big Brother accountable for their actions. And now, uh, moving on to a different topic, uh, I believe that I have made the decision that I'm going to, instead of calling uh, this show the Red Pill Podcast, I'm going to start calling it the Red Pill Chats. Uh, I came... To this decision, I because I, I found uh, you know that there was already a uh, red pill podcast, and uh, if I you know I, I never I don't want anybody to think that uh, somebody's trying to steal their shit, you know. So, so uh, after that, I've decided you know I'm I'm just gonna start after after this one, it's gonna start being called the Red Pill Chats. All right, and uh, as I don't and I don't know if uh, any of you can tell. But uh, if my voice is sounding a little bit more clear in this one, uh, it's because uh, I've got some some uh, nifty sound equipment here now uh, that you know just came in the other day, and uh, it's really really uh, a step in the right direction and helping this uh, sound a lot better. But uh, 
I have a lot to learn about all of it, you know, but, but, uh, uh, I, I believe that this one should, uh, be sounding a lot clearer than usual, but, uh, this is just, this is the first one, you know, of course, and I'm recording on this, uh, I'm going to have, you know, the next, the, our next, uh, next podcast, it should, uh, it should be with Josh Baxley again. He'll be joining me again. And, uh, and we're going to talk about some, uh, serial killers. I know everybody likes serial killers. Uh, I'm going to tell you, you know, it's like Ted Bundy, uh, and several, Ted Bundy being the, you know, biggest one being that he was, you know, around Florida. A lot of people know who Ted Bundy is, but, uh, and Charles Manson. Well, I mean, he didn't actually kill anybody, of course, but we all know what Charles Manson did. And if you don't, then you need to watch the next episode, and you'll hear all about Charles Manson. And uh, and my uh, well, not my idea, but uh, my my evidence and my uh, research into the fact that he was a that Charles Manson, and there are several others. Uh, Charles Manson being the best example. Uh, evidence that uh, he was. Uh, a victim of MK Ultra testing while he was in prison, and if you want to hear about that, you're gonna have to listen to it. And and uh, and the, yes, there's 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 a whole lot of connections between serial killers and uh, and MK Ultra, and uh, and I and I wanted to just make this make this thought, uh, you know. When you look back at guys like like Ted Bundy, you know, you have the whole Ted Bundy tapes and uh, and all that, and you have the Charles Manson. You know, he has a whole, you know, they filmed him and everything. You know, well, what I'm have wondered about is, you know, well, I know most of these uh, mass shooters that we've had in you know the past few years, which have just started, you know, popping up in such great numbers. Uh, well, which that 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 that's that's that, I mean I I could I could make a hundred episodes about those incidents, and I may do that. But what I always thought was pretty weird was you know whenever they didn't kill themselves, which I can only think of one off the top of my head, which I know there's probably more, but the only one I can think of off the top of my head that did not kill himself or you know quote unquote killed himself was uh the the shooter in aurora colorado the, and, and and for me i know there was probably there were you know there was other things before that but that's the one that rests in my mind so strongly as the first major one because i i remember just how big that was the first time the whole big deal about ar-15s was made because they had ar-15 but there was multiple videos of him and you know in court sitting in his court hearing but but you never heard any interview from these these this man or you know, any other shooters. You know, it, I always found that very odd. I mean, we had such an interest into peering into the minds of these serial killers, but never never into these people. Never. I mean, you have to you know know that they're all extremely mentally ill people to commit murders the way they did. You know. I mean, you know, of course, this is a topic, like, you know, I said for another episode, but uh, there's a good argument to be made about Prozac, you know, uh, the the uh, medicine that people take for depression, anxiety, it's supposed to, you know, have such a blanket cure-all type shit, but, you know, you know, 
for anybody who's never uh, seen this before, and it's, it's hard to find on YouTube, but you can find it. Uh, your best bet is to go on to Duck Duck Go and look it up. Uh, that's what I do. But watch the um, Alex Jones and interview on the Piers Morgan show. Because I, you know, I remember I used to watch all of those Piers Morgan interviews. And I'm I'm now convinced that Piers Morgan was uh, a CIA asset or British intelligence. I don't I don't know. He may have came over for CIA. I don't know, but uh, either that or I just have a bad memory of what television was like in 2012. I believe it was because because Piers Morgan is so dense. I mean, you know, we, we get back to what I was saying. You, you when you watch the uh, the interview with Alex Jones. Alex points out uh, <laughs> he was talking about Prozac. He said, uh, "He said they're all on, that, that. I mean, that was that's true. That's that's the uh, common denominator across the board with these shooters. Where was that they were all on Prozac? You know, they were all they were all on Prozac. I mean, isn't that kind of fishy? Doesn't that raise eyebrows? You know, that the that everybody who uh, has committed these mass atrocities that they were all on Prozac." Hmm. Well, uh, when you look at the, uh, for example, back to Piers Morgan, <laughs> the Jesse Ventura interview is a good one to watch. And, of course, the Alex Jones one. Uh, Ted Nugent was very, very adamant in his support for the Second Amendment, as he always is. Uh and uh, and of course, I think uh, most people have seen the Ben Shapiro one. I mean, that one's just so so satisfying to watch to watch Ben Shapiro talk to uh, Pierce Morgan, and that was like a kind of young uh, Ben Shapiro too. I mean, you can tell the difference between him then and now if you know if you are a fan of Ben Shapiro. Uh, I, I'm a I'm less of a fan now than I used to be, but I you know, I still follow him. But I always remember just how. Uh, he he wasn't the best speaker then. He wasn't the best speaker. But um. Uh, he, but he but he did uh he got his point across very well. But uh, I believe that this will probably do it for this episode. Um, I'd like to encourage you all that if you uh enjoyed this episode and you enjoy listening to this podcast to uh, share it on your social media if you would like uh, so that anybody else who might also be interested in it can uh, hear hear about this because I mean in this episode you know I think this is probably one of the more important ones because this is some you know important American history that not many people get to hear about you know it's a hidden covet coven of American history so you know if you want to anybody else know about this stuff or any of the other stuff I talk about, you know, share it with a friend, you know, share it with a friend. So, uh, I hope you all have a wonderful day and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you're listening, thanks for listening. Have a good one.